Welcome to the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. I'm CEO Dan Mariashin. Thank you for tuning in. In just a moment, we'll be speaking with our Director of United Nations and Intercommunal Affairs. But while you're settling in, be sure to visit our website, benebrith.org, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter. The easiest way to get the latest episode is to subscribe on iTunes or Google Play on your smartphone. Joining me today from New York City, my colleague David Michaels, Director of UN and Intercommunal Affairs for B'nai B'rith. David and I recently returned from our annual visit to Geneva and the UN Human Rights Council, where we and our top volunteer leaders advocated on important human rights issues and challenged the body's relentless bias against Israel. David, welcome to the program. Thanks, Dan. Good to be with you. So, our meetings were in two cities, in Geneva and in Paris, in Geneva with the UN Human Rights Council and in Paris with UNESCO, which is the United Nations Educational Science and Culture Organization. And uh, on the agenda in each place, uh, we always find uh, resolutions that uh, are biased against Israel. Let's start first in Geneva, where we go every year, usually around something called Item 7, Uh, Maybe you can explain what that is and uh, exactly what it is that uh, we're trying to do to counter it. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, the the Human Rights Council uh, was uh, put in place uh, just about a decade ago to replace uh, a body that had been known as the Human Rights Commission. And the intention was to reform that commission whose credibility uh, had been undermined uh, both by its makeup, by its lack of effectiveness, uh, by the fact that it had been so thoroughly politicized. Uh, and unfortunately, 10 years into this, uh, what what should have been a new experience and a new, uh, a new experiment and a new era, uh, we've seen many, if not all, of, of the same problems persist and in some cases worsen. Uh, serial rights violators sitting on the the council in judgment of uh, other nations, in many cases democracies like Israel, uh, either to uh, shield their own uh, poor human rights records or to weaponize uh, the council itself as a propaganda tool uh, against adversaries like uh, Israel uh, in in the case of of this particular context. So you you mentioned item seven, uh, the Human Rights Council meets uh, three times uh, formally every year. Uh, the main session is in March. We've just returned from that. Uh, B'nai B'rith, as a longstanding uh, official officially accredited NGO at the council, made uh, not one but two uh, formal uh, interventions at the council itself. Uh, and uh, in addition to that, more behind the scenes, uh, as you as you note, uh, a multinational Benebrith leadership delegation uh, held uh, a series of, I'd say, uh, uh, between 30 and probably closer to 40 meetings in just a couple of days uh, with ambassadors and other high-level diplomats from around the world to talk about our concern – uh, over the hijacking of the council uh, to serve overt uh, and destructive uh, political purposes. So David, item me, seven. Uh, let me stop. Before we get to item yeah. seven, let me just to kind of set this up for our listeners. So the United Nations has 193, 194 member states. Um, and we all know, since we've seen pictures or we've been inside, we know what the, the UN General Assembly Hall looks like. But there are not 
194 members of the Human Rights Council, correct? Right, right. No, there are, there are fewer than 50 members of, of the Human Rights Council. They're uh, elected for, for limited terms on uh, uh, the basis of geographic blocks uh, within the General Assembly here in New York. Uh, and uh, as I mentioned, unfortunately, uh, the human rights performance and, and record of those member states hasn't uh, been uh, adequately considered, if considered at all, as a, as a criterion uh, for eligibility for membership on the council. And uh, is the United States a member uh, of, of this particular council? Uh, the United States is currently a member uh, with uh, the new administration, as with past administrations. Uh, an ongoing process of de deliberation uh, is underway uh, on uh, the the strategy and approach uh, of uh, uh, the government uh, here uh, to that body, to, to funding uh, uh, that body in its work, to participating actively in the body. Uh, member states that aren't current members or, or UN member states that happen not to be a current member of the Human Rights Council – have certain privileges within that body, even while not uh, a member of it at a, at a given time. Uh, so the U.S. is currently a member and is uh, uh, discussing uh, uh, what role to, to maintain moving forward. So let's pick it up with item seven. Right. Well, so the, the council uh, that, that does meet uh, th three times every year, uh, typically, uh, has uh, roughly 10 permanent uh, items uh, on its agenda. Uh, and as you say, there are 193 uh, member states of the UN. Uh, only one of those 193 member states, uh, a, a small country, uh, uh, the, the only genuine democracy in the Middle East, the world's only Jewish state, that one country, Israel, is the only one in the world subjected to its own permanent agenda item at the Human Rights Council dedicated uh, to its scrutiny and, and more uh, uh, candidly, its censure, its isolation, its marginalization, uh, the uh, besmirching of its, of its good name. So there's an item four, uh, which addresses all other 192 member states of the world, including all of the, the world's worst uh, violators, uh, whether uh, Iran or, or North Korea or others. Uh, and then you have one dedicated item, item seven, focused exclusively uh, on uh, uh, scrutinizing and condemning Israel for what Israel's own adversaries portray as its exceptionally bad behavior. Those of us who know the region well, those of us who know Israel well, who have been on the ground, uh, know that the picture painted very destructively and very unfairly uh, in Geneva uh, stands in stark contrast to the reality that Israel is. My sense is uh, having gone now for a number of years and having discussed uh, this issue, advocating for fair treatment for Israel, is that the kind of uh, business as usual attitude has, has set in. Um, occasionally there are attempts to uh, change a word or to, to change some language, but that um, basically the, the family of democracies, if you will, which is, which is outnumbered anyway based on the, the membership uh, 
at, the, at, at that body and at the UN itself, kind of is, uh, if not going along to get along, it's kind of like, well, we do this every year, so we'll just uh, kind of tweak it here and there, and then we'll move on to something else. I mean, that's my sense. Yours is? Uh, right. Well, you know, it's, it's a sad, uh, well-established ritual. Uh, this is, uh, you know, politics as sport uh, and, and politics as a game uh, whose outcome is, is known to, to everyone in advance. Uh, very often these resolutions, in this case, the council passed five resolutions, uh, anti-Israel resolutions, as always, uh, Israel isn't only subjected to its, only, to its own agenda item, but is subjected to more country-specific condemnatory resolutions than any other country on the face of, of, of the earth. Uh, so five resolutions were passed, four focused on issues uh, uh, related to the Palestinians, one even more galling uh, at this time of uh, continuing bloodletting uh, in Syria, one related to what the council uh, describes as, as the Syrian Golan Heights controlled by Israel. Uh, even some of those democracies that uh, aren't as principled as we might like on the anti-Israel uh, motions that the council uh, took objection uh, to that resolution. Uh, many of these, the text remains constant from year to year. It's simply a ritual uh, where uh, – Majority Arab and Islamic states uh, propose these texts at every session just to keep the propaganda ball uh, rolling. And other states, as you say, uh, expect it. They don't even look at the text. Uh, they may uh, receive a, a maximalist, uh, a truly extreme uh, version at the very outset. They go through the motions of, of asking, asking for a watering down of the langu language, the tempering of the language just a bit. And so with the, the, most, the, the slightest of tempering on the part of the sponsors of these uh, overtly partisan, uh, distorted, uh, bigoted of resolutions, uh, many of these countries either in the end vote in favor of the resolutions or abstain, allowing them automatically to pass. So essentially at the council – uh, you can put anything, practically anything on the table that's anti-Israel uh, and have it approved as long as you're willing to uh, go through the motions of, uh, of proposing a, a truly extreme text and then feigning concessions in the form of watering it down very slightly. Well, it seems to me, you know, we've, uh, when we discuss this uh, with uh, diplomats uh, on the scene, uh, we often say, well, look, if you, if you want to encourage um, a peace process, if you want to encourage negotiations, um, why do you continue to uh, de-incentivize um, the Israeli side by adopting these resolutions year in and year out, almost by rote? Uh, and frankly, there really are no answers uh, to that because they, they often have no answers for it. And so we continue to go around on this, on this treadmill, uh, and uh, countries that should know better uh, perhaps should, uh, should take note, if they haven't already, that politicizing these issues uh, are not really bringing about any kind of atmosphere uh, for negotiations or for peace, which, which we all uh, hope for. Um, let's move on to Paris and UNESCO and the issue there. Uh, last year and this year too, coming up in April, is the question of the Temple Mount in Jerusalem. Tell us about that one. 
Well, uh, unfortunately, uh, UNESCO, like uh, the Human Rights Council in Geneva, uh, which once had had so much promise and and so such high expectations attached to it in terms of its mandate, uh, its its potential to serve as uh, something apart from the uh, the cynical politics of other UN bodies has really uh, been instrumentalized as much as other agencies and fora of the UN within the la- over the last few years in particular. Uh, and so we've seen a batch of resolutions uh, critical uh, of Israel uh, put on the table now year after year. Next month we have a, a session uh, coming up of the one of the two major policymaking bodies of UNESCO, the Executive Board, uh, which meets uh, fairly frequently, uh, two times a year, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and later this year, we actually have a, a meeting, a session of the the other, uh, ostensibly the, the the most important of the policymaking bodies at UNESCO, the the General Conference, which will actually be be electing a new Director General uh, for that body for UNESCO. So at the the session uh, in in just a few weeks, we do expect. Uh, as of now, among other resolutions, a text to be proposed on uh, Jerusalem and on the holy sites. Uh, and over the last uh, few years, particularly the year, the last year or two, when the issue really got more attention than it had in the past, uh, we expect to see this uh, approach of historical revisionism, this truly offensive denial of uh, the core of Jewish history and identity, Jewish ties to the Holy Land, to Jerusalem, and to the Temple Mount and Western Wall in particular. Now, there's a little bit of a change uh, this month uh, in April uh, in insofar as we now expect, in light of all of the, uh, the pain, painful and damaging uh, controversy that had arisen surrounding UNESCO as a result of this over the last couple of years, we expect the new resolution, while not to be withdrawn by its sponsors, uh, shamefully, uh, we expect this new re- re- uh, resolution not to uh, uh, explicitly repeat uh, the most pro- problematic language of past texts, which had referred to uh, Judaism's holiest site, the Temple Mount, uh, exclusively by its Arab Islamic uh, na- Arabic Islamic name, uh, and uh, and which also had referred to the Western Wall, whose sanctity is is connected fundamentally to the Temple Mount, uh, primarily as well by its by an Arabic Islamic name with Western Wall, either in quotation marks or in parentheses. So this new resolution as it currently stands at this moment, and, and things are dynamic and they can change, uh, we don't expect the new uh, draft to repeat all of that. Uh, but the new draft will bury uh, an affirmation, a reference to the, uh, I'd say, 11 or so past resolutions of, of uh, UNESCO bodies that had engaged in this scandalous business, uh, this anti-Semitic business, frankly, of uh, whitewashing Jewish history and, and Christian history as well, for that matter. So what we're seeing here is a strategic uh, uh, attempt by the sponsors of this resolution to uh, to stick to their guns, stick to their 
bigotry and their uh, uh, hijacking of this body without raising the uh, damaging controversy of past years. We'll have to see whether democracies like members of the EU uh, and others will fall for this trick or instead uh, uphold uh, the promises of, of at least several of them uh, following a recent controversy to oppose any such resolutions moving forward. Well, the, all the, the arguments um, against this resolution that you just uh, said, uh, David, of course, we used in our meetings uh, in Paris with, with many uh, ambassadors and, and diplomats. Um, we are there, you know, people ask, why do you do this? Uh, we're there to seek fairness for Israel, to seek balance for Israel in the, in the UN system, and to call out the hypocrisy of the system, which allows this kind of singling out and, and the resolutions uh, that you've talked about, and which works against the original mission of the United Nations uh, as it was laid down in, in 1945, and we will continue to engage in, in those battles. Thank you, David. That's all the time we have for today. We'll pick this up again, I'm sure, at, at another point. Thanks again for joining us for the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. Please visit our website, b'naibrith.org, like our Facebook page, follow us on Twitter, subscribe on your smartphone through the podcast app for iPhone or through Google Play for Android. And lastly, tell a friend about it. For my colleague David Michaels, I'm Dan Mary Ashen. We'll talk to you next time on the B'nai B'rith International Podcast. Podcast.